Well, praise the Lord for the good singing tonight, the great testimonies. I appreciate uh, just the privilege of being able to be in a church that still believes in worshiping God and having the right Bible, the right kind of music. I just enjoy it so much, and I appreciate all that we've been able to enjoy the great meal tonight. appreciate the ladies that had part in that. We got to fellowship around the table, and I hope that what we have to share tonight in the message will be a blessing to all of our hearts. And, and I appreciate getting to see Brother Jeremy Smith. His mom and daddy, usually it's the kids that get sent out, and the mom and daddy stay behind and support the kids. But in this case, the kids supporting the mom and daddy. And uh, Brother uh, Jerry and Miss Denise are going all around the world and doing a great job filling in for missionaries, and I appreciate them. And they are going to extremes, brother, like you, Brother Ruckman. Uh, they've been hot, now they're cold up North Dakota. And uh, so the Lord's, we appreciate them. And good to have the good testimonies tonight. It was a blessing. If I didn't know that Brother Kaysen was married to the lady he's married to, I thought they were brother and sister or something, you know. They, they look like, like you know, but, but I've, known, I've known Bethany's mom and daddy before Bethany was ever brought into this world. So I know, I know that uh, they're, they're going to do something great down in Ecuador, praise the Lord. And then the Ruckman family. Haven't heard about them for a long time, but never got to meet them until just recently. And I appreciate their testimony. And I appreciate, uh, well, I actually, let me back up. I've known Miss Angie for a long time, knew her mom and dad, and, uh, but haven't got to meet Brother Ruckman and the boys. And I appreciate them and what God's already done with them and how he's using them. And, and I'm glad they're able to be here at the church. And so uh, I know God's going to bless you. And I do hope you're praying about what God would have you to, to, to do uh, for the cause of Christ around the world and supporting missions. Would you go with me into the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 9? Um, familiar portion of scripture for uh, folks who have been around the, you know, been around preaching and read your Bibles for a long time. I know you've read this story, and we're going to talk about a man by the name of Mephibosheth. Uh, before we get into the, into the message tonight, I do want to say that I don't believe it's God's will, and I hope the missionaries don't throw stones at me right, right at this point. I don't believe it's God's will for your, your church to support every missionary that calls your preacher, or even every missionary that comes to your church. Missionary is going to come here because God wants to teach him something. Missionary is going to come here for, for God's reasons, not our reasons. But as I think about it's not God's will for you to support every missionary, it is God's will for you to support missions, missionaries. And here's what I believe. If you will pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to give, and if every one of God's people who are members of this church would give what God wants you to give, here's what I believe that every missionary that God does want you, to, uh, want you to support and take on, I believe that you will be able to take on if you will do your part. And it takes us all doing our part. So they're going to go, and so we got to give so that we can send them wherever God wants them to go. So um, if you found your place, I'm going to pop my little pill in my mouth. And I've already told them, Brother Ruckman, this is not, uh, didn't come out of a can. I didn't dip it. But, at least I don't think I dipped it. It, it. Anyway, I did not dip it, and, uh, but it helps me not to cough my head off tonight. So if you have your place, would you stand with me? We're going to read just a few verses of Scripture. It is right now 10 minutes before 6 o'clock over in Alabama, and we had somebody from Roanoke, Alabama already, so you'll feel right at home if I say Alabama. And uh, we're going to go through this. We won't be long, and hope that what we share will be a blessing to you. Second Samuel chapter number 9, verse number 1. The Bible says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that it may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, 
Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba had a son, or excuse me, and Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lamb on his feet. And when the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege we've had to be here tonight, to hear the beautiful singing, but hear the testimonies of how God is working in the hearts of, of young men, young ladies, families to go around the world with the gospel. Thank you for what you're going to do in this church as this church just continues the, the, bur, the burden and the vision that they've had all over these many, many years. And thank you for Brother Wayne Cofield that you put in his heart a long time ago, this vision and burden for souls. And Father, I pray that the, fa- the flames that have been fanned here all these years that will be greater than ever before. You're coming back. And I believe you're going to come back soon. And I pray you'd help us to do our part until Jesus comes. So please have your way, we pray. Thank you for your blessing. And do a great work in all of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. You know, when I think about this chapter, did you know that every bit of this chapter, all of chapter number 9, rests on verse number 1? Because had David not, had not asked the question in verse number 1, we wouldn't have the rest of the story. By the way, did you know that the whole Word of God rests upon a promise given in Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 15, where God said that He would, make, he would put enmity, warfare, strife between the, seed of the, between the woman and, and the serpent and between His seed and her seed. But what I like is the promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And because of the promise of, of Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15, we have the rest of the Word of God. Because from that promise, we have the promise of the Redeemer. And friend, I want you to know tonight that we have great hope that we can reach the world with the gospel of Christ because of the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight, I want to share with you how many hairs I got. Three. How many points? Wrong. I looked in the mirror and I found one hair hiding behind another. I got four tonight. So um, I want to share with you four thoughts that we find out of this chapter uh, concerning the focus of missions, the focus of missions, and concerning this man, this man, Mephibosheth, and hope that what we have to share will be a blessing to you. Now, because I've got a little bit of dyslexia, we're actually going to look at verse number one in reverse order, and uh, then I hope that, we're, and we're going to be done at least by eight o'clock, uh, Alabama time, but at least by eight o'clock. And it uh, would not be long. We're going to just share a few thoughts with you and hope it will be a blessing to you. And again, I hope you're praying about what God would have you do, your part in reaching the world with your giving and sending missionaries. First of all, when I look at this verse of Scripture, look what it says now. Verse number one, David asked the question. Here's what he says. Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Number one, this question deals with a covenant. God is a covenant-making God. When you look in the Word of God and you see from the book of Genesis all the way through to the end, God deals with covenants. We have covenants today. We have contracts between people. When you bought your house, you had to sign a contract. You bought a car uh, on a loan, you had to sign a contract. We do contracts or covenants all the time. But aren't you glad that God is not like men? I'm glad that we have a God in heaven that when He makes a covenant or a contract with someone... 
God upholds his end of the bargain. Well, this covenant, this uh, promise is based upon a covenant. Now, when I look in the Word of God, I go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 24. As a matter of fact, we, when we think about the story of Jonathan and the story of David, we think about the covenant. But did you know that David actually made two covenants? The, the second of the two is, is found in 1 Samuel 24, and it's made with a man by the name of Saul, his mortal enemy, the one that hated David more than any other man could ever hate any other man. As much as Jonathan loved David, Saul hated David. And so he made a covenant in chapter number 24. Saul had hidden in the, had gone to rest in a cave where David and his men were hiding. And David went down, cut part of his garment off. And when Saul left the cave, David comes out holding that piece of garment. And he lets, he lets Saul know that day that he could have killed him, could have taken his life. And Saul, all of a sudden, he says, you know what? I better do something fast. And when you read in the latter part of chapter number 24, Saul makes an interesting statement where he says, I know that you are going to be king. I know you're going to be king. And I want you to swear to me that you will not, that you will not kill me and you won't kill my family. Swear to me. And the Bible says that David swore to Saul. Now I want you to look at this verse number one of the book of 2 Samuel chapter number nine. He did not say, is there yet any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Saul's sake? Because the covenant that David was making and keeping was the covenant that was made with Jonathan. The reason it couldn't be based upon Saul was because, first of all, because of the hatred of Saul. Just like this world today hates the Lord Jesus Christ, they're against God, the enmity, is, it, it still exists, and the covenant that God made with Adam, our father, according to the flesh, could not be a covenant that could stand up where God would show us kindness because of Adam's sake. As a matter of fact, may, you, may we understand tonight that we are condemned because of what Adam did. Men, women, boys, and girls are going to hell because we have the nature of our father Adam. Not only was it a, a covenant that he could not keep because of the hatred that Saul had for him, but because of the unbelief that Saul had for David. Now, what is interesting, when he said, I believe you, he said, swear to me. And the Word of God says, David swore to him. And he said, I believe you. Well, good night if he, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm good looking, you know, not real smart. Here's what I figured out. If Saul truly believed David, then David would have never had to run for his life again. Saul would have never, ever lifted up his hand to try to kill him. He would have never chased him again. It would have been over. But it wasn't over. Why? Because of this thing called unbelief. This world is eaten up with religion. Everywhere you go, we've got religion. The problem is not religion. The problem is unbelief. They don't believe God. They don't believe the message that God gave. They don't believe the message of the Son of God that came into this world. So the problem is unbelief. But I'm glad for the covenant that God made, or that David made with Jonathan. Chapter number 20 of the book of 1 Samuel, out in a field when nobody's around but, the, but these two men, Jonathan had David swear. Because you know what? Here, what's interesting, that just as much as Saul knew that he was going to be king, Jonathan knew he was going to be king. And I thought, you know what? What they could have done, they could have plotted together and both of them together could have killed David, just got rid of David and everything would have just kept on going merrily all along the road, along the way. But you know what? 
The Bible says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul, as his own soul. So this covenant was a covenant of loyalty and of love, of trust. And when I look at, the, when I look at what happened for me and you and the reason we're here tonight, it's all because of a covenant. I appreciate the testimony you said about Brother Larry tonight. I didn't know about, all I knew is he was causing all the kids to have to go to the dentist. And all the kids were hopped up when they leave the building. That's all I knew about Brother Larry. But you know what? The story of Brother Larry is the story of everyone in this building who is saved or who has not even been saved. That's our story. Away from God. Had no right, had no hope of ever coming to God. But I'm glad tonight that before you and I were ever born, as a matter of fact, in, the, in eternity past, in the field of eternity past, I want you to know there was... There were two that came together, God the Father and God the Son, and they came together, and there was a covenant that was made that day that He would come into this world, He would give His life on the cross of Calvary, and everyone that would just trust, just believe, come in repentance and faith, they could have the sweet promise that we find even in the story of the story of David and Jonathan. So, number one, it's based on a covenant. And I want you to know, as I mentioned Sunday morning in Sunday school, talked about an unconditional covenant where it's all on God and not on man. You know, the law was all on man and on God, but it was all on man to make sure he did what God said or otherwise there was nothing but condemnation. Oh, but this is all on God because all of our sins were put on the Lord Jesus Christ, an unconditional covenant. Number two, not only is this, is this a question or this uh, story based on a covenant, But it also, number two, dealt with compassion. Look what it says. He says, Is there yet any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I love the word kindness. Did you know this word, in this one word, we have wrapped up what man needs, and that is mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. This word compassion, I like the first part of the word compassion when it talks about compass or compass. Aren't you glad that the love of God and the compassion of God is what is around and surrounds mankind? Now listen, the reason that we're saved today is because of a covenant, but I'm also glad it's because of the great love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But here's what I believe. I believe in order to understand the greatness of of the love of God, we've got to understand the sinfulness of man. And so when I look at Mephibosheth, you know this man had some problems. There are three. Can I mention mention them to you briefly? The first problem that he had was a family problem. When I look at verse number number one and verse number three, you're going to find that he was of the house of Saul. That's a family problem. As I've already said, there was warfare. There was enmity. You know why the warfare was there? It's because Saul knew that David was going to take away from him everything that Saul held dear, his kingship and his kingdom. Can I tell you why a man sinned against God? He wanted to be God. He wanted the kingdom of God. And I want you to know, ever since man sinned against God, that is what man has, 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 has clutched hold and held dear to his own heart. He wants to be God of his life. He wants to rule and reign over his own kingdom. And, and that, that right, friend, has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
As just as much as God gave the kingdom to David, God gave the kingdom to the Lord Jesus, and man is not willing to relinquish title of, over the power and authority and dominion of his own kingdom. So there is enmity. So there is a family problem. And it's not just what with us in America. It is a worldwide problem with people who have heard the gospel and people who have never heard the gospel. There is enmity. There is rebellion. There is wickedness. There is sin. And there is condemnation. He has a, he has a family problem. But can I tell you the second problem Mephibosheth had? He had a feeble problem. When I look at these verses of Scripture, it tells me that he was lame on his feet. There was no way that this man, Mephibosheth, could get back to David on his own. He was crippled. He lived a long way from David, and there was no way he would ever get back to David. He could never come back. And that is the problem with mankind today. Mankind talks about how they, they use the name of God, and they talk, talk about God. Can I tell you, they use God with a little G. But they can't get back to the God with a big G. They have no way in order to, to satisfy the holiness of God. They have a feeble problem. They're crippled. But not only that, they have a fear problem. A fear problem. Back in those days, when one king would take over the kingdom from another king, you know what they did? They killed him every one. They slaughtered the whole bunch. Now here's the problem with this story. Mephibosheth was not in any way a physical or financial threat to David, not in the least. There was no, he didn't have enough money to go hire an army to come and fight against David's army. He couldn't do it. He, he didn't have a, a, enough uh, of anything to go against him, enough intellect, enough anything. So he was not a financial threat. He wasn't a physical threat. He wasn't a man of war. He was a cripple laying up in somebody's house. He couldn't even get out and, and work. He couldn't do anything. He was, he was a man that was there. So why in the world would he fear he was no threat? But you know what? He was a threat. And the threat was rebellion. And that's the problem today. People hate God. But because of fear, he's hiding off somewhere down here, and he's afraid to stick his head out because if he sticks his head out, he's going to get his head chopped off. A fear problem. And men will not come to God because they're afraid. The devil sold the world a bill of goods, and they have no idea what a loving Savior that we have. So this man had a fear problem. But can I tell you, in spite of everything that was wrong with Mephibosheth, we see David, David asking a question. Is there yet any of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Because my sins are not forgiven for Dean Hamby's sake. My sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And so it is a covenant question. It is a compassion question. Let's go a little bit further. When he says in verse number, number one again, And David said unto him, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? Number three, it is a, it is a commitment question. A question that dealt with commitment. Would you look at that little word, show, S-H-E-W? That word literally means to complete. It means to fulfill. From the time that we have 1 Samuel chapter number 20 till we get to 2 Samuel chapter number 9, over 20 years has passed. And during these 20 years, he has not been able to fulfill the promise that he made to, to Jonathan. Not been fulfilled. Now, when I think about 
the story of Jonathan and David, it reminds me, did you know nobody was there when God the Father and God the Son made the covenant that he would come to this world and he would give his life on the cross of Calvary. Nobody was there the day that David and Jonathan made the covenant. Nobody was there. Can, because he was king, David could have said and done anything he wanted to do. David could have forgotten. He could have said, you know what? Jonathan is dead. I've got the kingdom. And you know what? Fooey on what I told Jonathan. It's over. I don't care about his family. They can all die and rot. I don't care. I don't care. Can I tell you, when man sinned in the garden, how many times do we have in the Word of God when it talks about how God's, God's heart was grieved, how it repented God? We find in the Word of God where because of what man has done and how man rebelled against God, all of the things that happened. But you know what? God could have done what God wanted to do. God could have said, you know what? It's over. But here was a man by the name of Noah that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hey, did he deserve it any more than any other people that lived on planet Earth? Absolutely not. He was a sinner like everybody else, but he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. May I say today that it's because of the commitment of God. I believe that the love of God that he has for the world, there is something that overshadows that, that this love of God stands on something greater than just the love of God. That's because so many, you know, so many people say, well, you know what, God could never let anybody go to hell because he's a God of love and he just loves everybody. Hey, he does love everybody. But there's something greater, friend, than the love of God, I believe, that holds everything together, and that is a thing called holiness. And the holiness of God drives his commitment that he made and his honesty. The reason that we can preach his word and believe his word is because he has magnified his, his, his word above all his name. His word is true. And God has a commitment that he has made and God will not go back on his word. So we can go and we can preach because of a commitment that God has made to his word. Last of all, Look what it says. Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Number four. In the first part of this verse, there are two words that I, I want you to, to look with me carefully at. Is there yet, here it is, any that is left? Fourthly, this question dealt with children. With children. Saul was gone. The last chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, Saul is killed. Jonathan is dead. His sons are dead. We can't do anything about those who are dead. They are gone. The moment their life left their body, their eternal, their eternal destiny was sealed. They either went to heaven or hell. It is over. There's nothing that we can do to go and undo. You can't light enough candles and pray enough prayers to pray anybody out of hell. There is, not, there is not a place called purgatory. There is not a place called limbo. There is a heaven and there is a hell. You, when you die, you're either going to go to heaven or hell because it is appointed unto men. It is appointed unto men once to die. That appointment was made because of Adam's sin against the holy God. And we're going to meet that appointment when it comes. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. We can't do anything about those who are gone, but can I tell you, we can do something about those who are left behind, the children. And this is what he's talking about. He can't bring Jonathan back, but he says, is there yet any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
that one question goes against common sense of that day. Because every king that came along, they wiped out the previous king. It goes against every, bar, every bit of logic. You don't show kindness to the family of the king that you just deposed. You don't do that. They can rise up. They can rebel. They can take the kingdom back. But can I tell you, everything that God does is against our logic and our common sense. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're saved tonight because it goes against common sense? goes against human thinking. Let's look at the word real quick in two words and we'll be done. Look at the word any for just a moment. Any deals with a limitless number. Now, how many, how many, how many of the family did Saul have left? I have no idea. Evidently, David had no idea. How many grandchildren were left? How many of the people of the, Saul, of the house of Saul was left? This question is a remarkable question. What if, what if there had been a hundred kids? Can I tell you? There would have been a hundred kids sitting at David's table. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. This deals with a limitless number. Aren't you glad? Mm. I'm so glad that we have a gospel and we have a God of the gospel that doesn't deal with an elect. I'm glad that it is whosoever will let him come. The passage of Scripture that God used to arrest my heart and give me that faith that I needed to believe in Him. Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 13. The morning that I got saved, the preacher had me down by the, by, at the altar. We were praying, and he opened up the Scriptures, and we read together. He had me read out loud, he, and he said, read it. I was reading, I was crying, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that didn't mean a whole lot to me. Until he said, you put your name right there where it says whosoever. And I read, for Dean Hamby shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And all of a sudden, that load of guilt that was on me, I mean, it was gone. And I found out Jesus loves even me. Aren't you glad that we have in the Word of God, even in the story of a man by the name of, of Mephibosheth, the word any? Because it is not a select, elect group of people. I mean, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, it has always been whosoever. In the book of Revelation, we have a verse of Scripture that invites anybody to come and drink. Ah, we can come. And we, hey, not only can they come, we can go. Aren't you glad we don't have to find who is the elect and who's not, you know? I think everybody, I like what my preacher always said. Preacher Moore, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He said, I believe in election. My preacher said, I believe in election, Brother Smith. He said, God voted for you. The devil voted against you. Now it's up to you to cast the deciding vote. Ah, oh, me. August the 1st, 1971, I cast the deciding vote. And you know what sad part is? There's a lot of folks that don't know they can go to the ballot box and vote. There's, well, the sad part is there's a lot of po uh, folks that vote with the devil and they end up in hell. But this word any, I love it. You know what the word any does? It takes away all barriers. Brother, you're, I, I, mm, my heart just, mm, when you were showing that, that video, man, Ghana and Ivory Coast. Hey, it takes away all barriers. It, it takes away all boundaries. It, it takes away all borders. You don't have to knock on a door and have to wait to see what a person looks like when they come to the door or how they talk or how they act. Ah, it takes it all away. Takes it all the way. Oh, number two, the word left. I love this. I love this word. But this word's got a problem with it. The first, the word any is a great word. 
The second word has a major problem, and let me tell you why. The first one deals with a limitless number. I have no idea. But that second word, it deals with a limited time. Think about it. How many innings we got left? How many minutes we got left in this ball game? How much food is left? You know? It means that something is going to run out, whether it be food or innings or, or minutes, whatever. Something's going to run out. My wife always says, how many shoes I got left? Like, like that storehouse of shoes she's got has got an end to it, you know? I found one of our kids in, in the mix of them shoes one time. We thought it had been lost for about four years, but, you know. No. It deals with a limited time. That's why the Bible is clear. It's clear. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past. The summer is ended, and we are not saved. That's why the Lord Jesus says in John chapter number 4, verse 35, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for the harvest is white already to harvest. The field is white already to harvest. That's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the, in, the, in the day of salvation. Have I succored thee? Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. See, they don't have much time left. People die of all ages. People die. People die. That means you and I don't have a lot of time. People say, I got plenty of time. That's why, brother, you don't know how much I appreciate your mom and dad. Um... They could be getting closer to saying, you know what, we're going to just take it easy and just sit back. And you know what? They're on mission field after mission field after mission field, filling in for missionaries and loving on people and doing the work of God. They could have said, you know what, let somebody else do it. No, there was, there was no time for them to retire or sit back and let somebody else give and go and do. There's a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't have an income like I used to have when I worked a job. I'm on a fixed income, which, by the way, there's no such thing. If you, if you have Social Security, it's not fixed. It's always going backwards. You know, you have less than you had before. Uh, people say, I don't have the money to do what I used to do, so I'm just going to quit and let the younger folks, the people that work a job, let them give. Hey, there's no time to stop. We are on a fixed time, fixed time. And if we don't do it today, it's never going to get done. Why? Because there's some children out there the sons of Adam that are living and breathing that need somebody to go and where they are, share with them that Jesus loves them. As much as he loves me and you, he loves them just the same. And so what a wonderful question that he asked. And because the Holy Spirit of God moved on his heart to ask the question, the Holy Spirit of God inspired this chapter to be included in our Bible that we might know by picture the great love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ for every man, woman, boy, and girl, for every Mephibosheth in the world that there is somebody that loves them.